0: Hello and welcome to your latest exclusive podcast for Blood Red Club members only. I'm Paul Wheelock, it's 11.19pm at night and you may ask why are we recording this podcast so late? Well it's because the summer transfer window has just closed. And while there was the great news that Captain Jordan Henderson has signed a new contract, plus new deals for Reese Williams and perhaps surprisingly Nat Phillips, it was an otherwise quiet deadline day for Liverpool. But we're not here to look back over the past 24 hours. We're here to look back over the window as a whole. And to help me do that, I'm joined by Matt Addison. Matt, thanks very much for staying up to record this podcast. has been a bit of a long day for you, I imagine.
1: Yeah, it has. It's one of those, isn't it? It's Transfer Deadline Day. You always forget, really. Liverpool don't do a great amount of business on Transfer Deadline Day. But it's always... Always a, a busy, busy day anyway. Uh, obviously, there's been a few sort of exits and, and loans and, and things like that confirmed, but we didn't expect there to be any arrivals from Liverpool. I know that's caused a fair bit of meltdown for, for a few people in terms of, of wanting one or two more. But I think if, if Liverpool were going to do that, we kind of knew that that would have had to have been a little while ago. And, there's been certain things that made you think possibly it could happen. Obviously, Shakiri moves on. I think maybe one or two more would have had to to have gone really for for Liverpool to to go big and and go for, for one more. Whether that's the right thing or, or not, we'll get into it. But I think it, it's been fairly clear for for the last week uh, at least, maybe maybe a bit longer than that even that, that Liverpool weren't going to make that move. And it's a decision that that Michael Edwards put us together. I think that's that's something that we should should remember. Really, it's. It's not a case of SSG stopping Liverpool doing business or, or anything like that. It's, it's a, a decision that they've made strategically. and Liverpool's strategy ultimately has worked in the past. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a case of, of trusting what they've done. But as we'll get into it, it's, it's maybe not quite what I would have done and, and probably not what the majority of, of Liverpool fans would have done.
0: Yeah, there's one signing that's been made. There's been a host of departures and a host of contract renewals. But we'll we'll start with that one signing because we can't forget it now. It did come three months ago uh, when Liverpool announced the arrival of Ibrahim O'Connor. Say as I say, it's easy to forget now because it's against this backdrop of a of a lot of frustrated fans that we will touch we will touch on on this podcast. You know because the the, the frustrations there that the further recruits haven't followed we can't forget that Conaté signing was an important one and it should be an important one throughout the rest of the season
1: yeah absolutely it's, it's a big sign and it's it's one I think for the future as much as, as for this season I think obviously to, to have the centre-back sorted is, is massive considering what happened last season there's going to be no repeat of Fabinho or Jordan Henderson playing at centre-back there's going to be no repeat of the injury situation you would imagine that that Van Dijk Gomez and and Matic will not have the same misfortune as as what they had last season but I think Liverpool's certainly their their ambition to get into the top four last season would have been made far far easier had they signed a centre-back 12 months ago whether they would have have gone on and challenged Manchester City for the title or whether they would have gone further in the Champions League I don't know but It certainly would have made things a lot, lot easier for them. And they've sorted that out. They've done that quickly. As you say, it's three months or so ago. It was before the Champions League final, I think. It was only two or three days after Liverpool's season finished against Crystal Palace at Anfield last season. So it does sort of feel like a long time ago, but it is very much a part of of this window. I mean, the the talk at the time, we thought that, that Liverpool would follow that up with one or two more. But the fact that they haven't, I think, is, is a very separate point to the fact that they've got Conaty and They've sorted out the centre-backs and I think you know, moving forward for certainly this season, uh, I wonder sort of how long Joel Matip will, will be at Liverpool, but I would say for, for the sort of foreseeable future, maybe sort of three or four years now, they've got four centre-backs and Nat that Phillips that, that we'll come to as well, but they've certainly got four top-class centre-backs there that you'd have absolutely no qualms about sort of throwing them in for or whatever game really it's such a contrast to last season I think it's it's something that Liverpool had no choice but to go out and, and do but the fact that they've done Conaty I think is is just an absolute guarantee that they'll be in the, the top four this season
0: You mentioned Nat Phillips there did so well at the back end the last season uh, and probably one of the, the, the big news from today on a, an otherwise quiet day was the fact that he's, he's signed a new contract because Let's face it, I think we were all expecting that, that he was going to leave, given what he did at the back end of last season. There was a lot of suitors interested, certainly in the Premier League and suggestion abroad as well. Some people even thought he might go out on loan, but no, he's he's actually signed a new contract and committed to the club. And it, it seems like he's staying as well. You know, He's certainly not leaving and before January. What did you make of, of today's news? Yeah, it's, a, it's
1: an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, we, we started the day knowing that if an acceptable offer came in for him he'd probably go and, and if he had have gone then Reese Williams wouldn't have gone out on loan I don't think he would have been in Nat Phillips's place and, and Phillips maybe would have, have gone somewhere else and I don't know I'm, I'm torn I think on the on the one hand uh, of course Nat Phillips deserves if if he wants to stay and he wants to, to fight for his place he deserves that opportunity he certainly deserves the improved terms that he's got with his new contract for, for what he did last season in Liverpool and you know, he very nearly left a year or so ago. So I think Liverpool will be very glad that they've got a fifth player. I think that the question for me would have been, I I always expected this summer that probably two out of, of the three, uh, when you think of, of Phillips, Ben Davis, and, and Reese Williams, I think two out of the three were, were probably always going to go. I think he was probably the one that I would have been most keen to to move on, though, just because of, of the price tag, if somebody had come in with say ten to fifteen million, I think that would have been a prime moment really to, to move them on. I don't think you're going to get that sort of money again. I think even in January you'd struggle to get that. I mean, there is, and I said this to, to Paul Gorse before, and we we did a Facebook live for, for the Facebook page. I mean, you look at it and you think if 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 Matt, Conor, Van Dijk, and, and Gomez all stay for January. No guarantee that Phillips will, will even make a, a squad for for a league cup game or, or something like that. I mean, obviously Norwich in a couple of weeks' time, you'd expect that to be a, a Conatae and, and Gomez partnership with Mapit and, and Van Dyke, saved for the Premier League and, and Champions League games either side of that. But you know, Nat Phillips, th- there's no guarantee that he would would even make the, the bench for, for those sorts of games. So I don't know. It's it, it's a tough one. I think he deserves it as I say he was he was fantastic last season but I'm just not quite sure really who benefits long term from him staying I think the fact that he's here is as much to do with the fact that nobody came in with a bid that, that Liverpool thought was, was anywhere near acceptable and I wonder if, if this maybe harms his career long term and he's not going to play a huge amount I also wonder if, if Liverpool will, will get anything like the, the money if they couldn't get an acceptable bid now if you sit on the sidelines maybe not even on the bench between now and January I wonder you know how much they'd be looking at potentially then for, for a sort of sale of, of him mid-season I suppose there's, there's maybe a desperation of, of a team looking to, to get out of relegation trouble and things like that to play into this but yeah I, I don't know I, I'm torn I think it's fine and I understand the decision and Obviously if there's no acceptable bid there's there's no reason to, to let him go. But yeah, I wonder, you know, who who really benefits from him staying around. I think, you know, Ben Davis or rich Williams could have done that fifth job just to, as well, really given that there's going to be very few minutes, you know, here and there for him to play. And I feel a little bit sorry for him because I think he deserves to, to go and play for maybe a lesser Premier League team, but you know, to, to go and play week in, week out. I think he might. Just be looking at, at Ozan Kabak, for example, at, at Norwich, and thinking, you know, maybe that could have been him going there and, and being the the first choice. But, but we'll see how it pans out. But yeah, I'm not I'm not quite convinced this was was the right outcome really for for either party.
0: I'm sure you're convinced that uh, it was the right outcome that Jordan Henderson signed his new contract. And uh, I know a report recently suggested that it was actually Jurgen Klopp who personally stepped in to make sure there were no issues with the new deal. And it's become pretty clear in his press conference recently since the uh, the Premier League season started that Klopp has never really seen a need, uh, a need or a desire to improve his midfield in spite of the departure of Gini Wijnaldum. So uh, as you said at the top of this podcast, it was no surprise at all that no midfielder came in. In these past few weeks, what do you make of that match? Do you think there's a there's enough in the you know in the engine room to keep Liverpool going till January at least, perhaps for the whole season, or do you think maybe Klopp's just postponed something for for twelve months and it, it, there's going to be a bit of, going to be need for a bit of a revamp in there sooner rather than later?
1: Yeah, I think I think it is very much a case of they they're giving themselves a. A bigger job, I think, next summer now. I think they were always probably going to have to get one in next summer. I think maybe it looks like now they're going to have to get two because you look at James Milner, I think he's 36. So by next summer, he'd be 37. You wonder how long he's going to go on for. There's then still question marks over Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. They both I think have two years left on their contracts at the end of the season into the next summer. Again, a big question mark over them. Um, I, ju- I just think you know if Liverpool could have got one midfielder in this summer, that would have helped them in terms of, of their long-term planning. I think for, for the short term, for, for this season, they'll be fine. I think they've got the numbers. The fact that Harvey Elliott is there, that's a, a huge bonus. They've kind of replaced Gene Wijnaldum in terms of, of having Keita, Chamberlain and Elliott to, to split those minutes across. Curtis Jones we've not seen yet, but I think he'll play a similar sort of role ultimately to, to what he did last season. I think he got around... Just under 2,000 minutes last season. I wouldn't be surprised if that was sort of a similar situation this season as well, even though, as I say, we, we've not seen anything of him yet. I think that's going to happen inevitably, that he'll come into the, into the team at some point because of, of the talent that, that he's got. But yeah, I just think Liverpool could have, have maybe had one this summer that they kind of used this season to, to bed him in. I look at someone like a, a Camavinga, for example. That's that's gone to, to Real Madrid. It wasn't a huge amount of money twenty seven million, I think it was that, that they paid for him. Just wonder if there was a, a deal like that, that that Liverpool could have done, which maybe looked to the long term wasn't necessarily one for, for this season, but maybe saved them a job next summer when you think it's, it's going to probably be sort of three or four players that they have to go to to, to buy next summer. I think it, it could have could have helped them out a little bit there, but in terms of this season. Not massively worried. The, the thing that it suggests to me is maybe that a target that they've got in mind for, for sort of that area of the pitch maybe wasn't available this summer, maybe they would be next summer. And I think that sort of tallies up with what we heard about Florian Neuhaus earlier in the summer. The suggestion really from Germany was that he probably wouldn't leave Munch Gladbach this summer, maybe he would next summer. And you know, maybe it's him, maybe it's somebody else, maybe that's a, a similar situation for, for other midfielders as well that Liverpool have got their eyes on. But yeah, I just think they've they've given themselves a, a little bit more to do next summer, but for this season it's not the end of the world.
0: No, I'm like you, I kinda of came round to the uh the realisation that I knew midfielder wouldn't be coming in this summer. But it was, it was part of me watching the game against Chelsea on Saturday, uh in in that second half when Chelsea, you know, were back to the wall, defending very, very strongly that Still felt that maybe Liverpool could have done with another another striker. I know Jota came on for the injured Firmino, but there were times in that second half where he, he, he you know, Klopp or Rigi wasn't on the bench. He didn't turn to Minamino, and it just made me feel in these last couple of days of the transfer window and and today, obviously, that just perhaps Liverpool, you know, Edwards and Klopp had pull another rabbit out of the hat, but that's not happened, Matt. And I know. You referenced the, the Facebook Live you did with Paul Gorse, Liverpool FC correspondent earlier tonight, that he said it was a risk that Liverpool haven't brought in another forward again until January at the least. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with him, to be honest. I think the, the point that he made really was that, that Jurgen Klopp was, has allowed Zerdin Shaqiri to, to leave uh, and maybe there would have been one or two other players that you'd have preferred to, to lose before him, really, in a, in a purely you know footballing sense. I think Shakiri was the one that was agitating to, to go and get regular football. He's obviously gone to Lyon. They've got European football, I think, to, to look forward to. They've got you know a decent squad there. He'll play every week though, and, and that's that's crucial for him. But yeah, I think you look at Takumi Minamino, You look at Davico if you had to to pick one out of of the three names to come on and, and change a game for Liverpool, I think you would pick you would pick Shaqiri, wouldn't you? So they've left themselves with two players that, that Jurgen Klopp doesn't look like he, he trusts. Um, he certainly didn't trust them against Chelsea. You wonder, you know, where Divock Origi gets any minutes. Really, he wasn't even on the bench. I don't think for either of the last two games for Liverpool doesn't look like he's got much of a, a chance really at all. Even though we are still waiting to. To find out the the full extent of, of Roberto Firmino's injury. We don't expect that to be, you know, him out for, for a long time. But even if it was, I mean, Origi is, is so far down the pecking you know, order you wonder sort of what might happen with him. But yeah, I think I think that's what it comes down to in, in terms of forward options. I think if Liverpool had managed to move on uh Divock Origi, maybe then they would have gone for, for one more. Ideally, I think he would have, have maybe picked a, another player just to to come in and and sort of be that fifth choice, but at the same time, it is very difficult. I mean, we, we've sat down and, we, and we've sort of talked through Liverpool's need to to have that fifth choice, somebody else to, to back up that front four that they've got. Obviously, Jota has come in and, and done that last summer. Could they find another Diego Jota this summer? I'm just not quite sure. It's it's as simple as that. I'm not quite sure who that player would be. I think it would be very difficult to, to find. Another version of him that's got the same ceiling, that's available for the right price, the right wages, and would be prepared to, to come to Liverpool in the knowledge that they're only going to play if you know a couple of, of the regular front three or Diogo Jota is, is not playing, is out, is being rested, or, or whatever it might be. So, I think it's it's a difficult pitch to, to find that player. I think there's there's maybe there's maybe names out there that you could have, have convinced, but then you know we, we don't know exactly. Uh, how much they would have cost and, and things like that. Jonathan David is one that they've looked at in the past. I wonder you know, whether that's one that they could have done. There are names out there. Pedro Neto is, is another one. If if he wasn't injured and only down for for another few months, but I wonder maybe if that had been had been different, maybe he's one that they would have looked at. But I don't know. It's it, it's a difficult task to to try and and improve on them. But that for me is is the big disappointment of the summer. Is that. Divock Origi is, is still at Liverpool without really having a, a genuine future at the club long-term, I don't think. I don't think Joven Klopp has any intention of, of playing him if he can help it. And, and that's the frustration. I think that's that's the area that Liverpool do look a little bit light in. That's the, the one big worry, really. If they could have just got rid of Origi and, and brought somebody else in who was a little bit better, I think that would uh, that would have made a, a huge difference. and It would have helped in, in, in a variety of ways, obviously, just... The, the pure quality of, of that player would have improved the squad. But I think it would have pushed Sadio Mane to, to get back to his best. I think he was a little bit off it against Chelsea. And maybe if he's, he's got another player sort of breathing down his neck and, and trying to get into the team, that would have made it a little bit more difficult for, for him to, to keep his place. And obviously he would then have had to have, have stepped up his game and improved. So, yeah, that's that's the frustration for me. I think that's the area of the field that, that Liverpool look a little bit light. Like. I know a lot of people have spoken about Ascon and and the impact of that. It is only two games. It's Brentford and it's Crystal Palace. Liverpool should be able to to beat those teams without Salah, without Mane. And, of course, there's the January transfer window. If they are that desperate to get somebody in, they can do that before they go away. So that's not a huge issue for me. It's it's more just across the season. I think there's going to be maybe only three, four, five games where where Liverpool really miss a fifth-choice attacker. But... You know, that could be ultimately the difference between finishing top of the premier league and, and just coming in the champions League's play, uh, places um, so i think that's that's the frustration I think it's a it's a bit of a gamble they might get away with it they might not and I just think uh, another sort of 30 or 40 million pound player would have really sort of guaranteed that they were absolutely in the, the title race all the way through this season and that's the that's the kind of Toss up and, and frustration that, that Liverpool fans will have, I think, is if they'd just put down that, that 30 or 40 million, found that player, taken a bit of a gamble, and, and said to Origi that, you know, he's got to, to go and, and find a new club. Maybe at a, a cut price fee, maybe you lose out in, in that regard. I think that would have been one that just guarantees it a little bit more, not completely, but just makes it a little bit less of a risk that Liverpool maybe might be caught shorter at some point this season. They might get away with it, they might not, but I think that that extra little bit of an investment would have been probably the the worthwhile thing and would have just reduced that risk a, a little bit, I think, for me.
0: No, I agree. And again, the frustration that we've referenced on this podcast is it's it's probably doubled or it's it's you know, it's heightened by the fact that Liverpool's main rivals for the Premier League title this season have spent big, you know. Chelsea signed Romelu Lukaku, 97.5 million, as we're recording this podcast. You know, they've been linked with San Guev of uh, Atletico Madrid, of course, who was linked with Liverpool himself throughout the summer. Uh, City signed Jack Grealish, but they've not signed a striker. And probably in terms of, you know, headline grabbing, it's probably Manchester United have had the best window because they've signed Rafael Varane, Jadon Sancho, and obviously at the weekend, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, given what the rivals have done, can you understand why there is that frustration among Liverpool fans about what's happened or not happened this summer? But I, I was reading on Twitter, Good Fred, earlier today that, you know, th- th- as, as good as those signings are, and I'm I'm pretty sure when you're talking about Lukaku, Grealish, Sancho Ronaldo and Veranda, is, <laughs> they're kind of like as, as guaranteed good signings as you're going to get. But they're not all perfect, are they? You know, they, they each of those teams still have their flaws and does that give you a bit of hope, Matt, you know, given what Klopp's done in the past and given, you know, Canoté's sign and given that these players are going to be absolutely desperate to to win the title again, but this time in front of the fans? You know, does that give you that hope that Liverpool are going to be right up there again?
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing that's, that's stopping me from, from tearing my hair out, to be honest. <laughs> I know there's been a lot of meltdown about Liverpool, as you say, on Twitter. People kind of really getting really wound up and frustrated by Liverpool. But I think that does sort of just sort of come about because of, of the echo chamber of, of Liverpool fans speaking purely about Liverpool. I think as you say, if you if you look at the other teams, there are imperfections in them. Manchester City, for example, they haven't got Harry Kane. That was, you know, a, a real game changer in my eyes. If they could have got that done, I think that would have made them probably favourites for, for both the Premier League and the Champions League, to be honest. I think, you know, Jack Greenish is is a brilliant player. He'll add something to, to what City already have but they've already got sort of four or five players who are pretty similar to, to him in terms of ability and quality and, and play in a, a similar sort of position so I don't think that is is a big game-changing signing for them even though they've spent that hundred million pounds I think he'll be a good player for them he'll help improve their squad but I don't think it's an absolute game-changer I think they're probably missing a, a left-back as well I think they probably could have done with, with that and a centre-forward more than than Jack Greenish. so I think you know City are still going to have one or two of the problems that they had at times last season obviously they won the league last season they didn't sort of struggle in, in that regard but there are still one or two gaps Chelsea as well I, I thought they were brilliant last weekend um, watching them in the flesh against Liverpool I thought actually when it was 11v11 11 11, they were the team on top even 10v11 they still looked dangerous at, at times and, and defended really well I think Thomas Tuchel is, is a brilliant manager but even then, I think they look a little bit light in midfield. You think if, if Tonte or, or Jorginho was to get injured, they've only really got Kovačić there. They've not really got too many senior options to, to play in that position. And at centre-back as well, they've only really got four. They didn't get Jules Koundé. I think that's, that's an area that, that could potentially very quickly become a weakness for them. Obviously, they play three centre-backs at, at any given time. And I think you know one or two injuries there, they could be suddenly looking a little bit weaker as well. And, And Manchester United, for the fact that they signed Cristiano Ronaldo, I think it's sort of taken the headlines, obviously, for for obvious reasons. But it doesn't hide the fact that I don't think their manager is as good as the other managers in the top four. I still think they need a a better goalkeeper to win the Premier League title. And I still think they need a better midfielder, at least one, maybe two, to, to play in that holding role. So I still think they're not really... Absolutely, definitely going to be a Premier League title contender. They still wouldn't say that their squad is, is as good as Liverpool. They certainly don't have as good a manager as, as Jurgen Klopp. So I think when you look at the other teams, you can sort of look at City and, and United and Chelsea and kind of think they've spent a bit of money, so they must be perfect. But I think they'll just have as, as many doubts as, as what Liverpool fans have gotten. Obviously, football doesn't exist in sort of isolation. I think this Premier League title race is going to be really interesting. It's going to be really close. Liverpool could have done more. They could have taken advantage, of course, of, of these weaknesses, if you want to call them that, from, from these other clubs. But I do think it's important to, to sort of put that into perspective and, and not just think of it as Liverpool haven't done as much as what they could, because I think a, a lot of, of City, Chelsea, United, probably fans of, of other clubs as well, they'll be sat there. You know, to tonight and in future weeks, they're going to be thinking exactly the same thing. So, yeah, it's it's not perfect from Liverpool, but I don't think the, the title rivals are, are any different. And I still think Liverpool have have got a real, real good chance of, of winning the Premier League, the Champions League. They'll be there or thereabouts, I think, this season.
0: Yeah, well said, well said. As I say, between now and January the first, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and uh, Thomas Tuchel have got to work with what they've got now. So it's going to be exciting, isn't it? I think it's it's going to be a great title race, and I think Jurgen Klopp's proved in the past that you know he, can, he even with smaller resources than some of those clubs have just talked about their managers, he can uh, he can he can produce miracles. So we'd we'll be hoping him and the players can do that again. Matt, thanks very much again for staying up so late. You've now actually got a few days off on holiday, so. Do do enjoy that and uh, you will, or myself, will be back next week with our latest Blood Red Club exclusive. Thanks very much for signing up to the to the club and if you want to recommend it to your friends or you know fellow Liverpool fans who you know, please just tell them to head over to bloodredpodcast.co.uk. It takes 10, 20 seconds to sign up and every week we will be sending you exclusive podcasts direct to your email box and uh, with more to come over the course of the season. We'll see you all again soon.